0: This season of Threshold is underwritten by the Pulitzer Center on Crisis Reporting. Do you see that thing right in front of us? That's just a rock, right? Welcome to Threshold. I'm Amy Martin, and I'm on a boat floating around the Norwegian archipelago of Svalbard, the same place where we walked in that big parade a few episodes ago. On the shore, that kind of long blob, (laughs) the dark thing. These islands are way up in the Arctic, halfway between Norway and the North Pole. It's a cold day and it's so gray and foggy that it's kind of hard to tell where the sky ends and the sheets of white sea ice begin. But my friend Cindy Gilbert has spent years working as a wildlife biologist in the Arctic and that might be why she's the first one on this boat to spot this blob. Mm. kind of has like a,
1: a seal yeah. shape laying on its side. But I think it's a walrus. Yeah. Yay! <laughs> walrus! Walrus! Walrus!
0: It's a big, male walrus hanging out on the lip of the sea ice. Our guide goes running for her camera, and Cindy and I go spread the news to our fellow passengers. I'm so excited! There's a walrus out there! There's a
2: walrus out there!
0: Walrus! Walrus! (laughs) Walrus in there! Walruses live only in the polar north, and they can be enormous. The biggest ones weigh more than 3,000 pounds. Our captain slows the boat down and takes us up a little closer so we can get a better look. Everything in this landscape is a cool blue, white, or gray color, except for this fleshy, reddish-brown lump of a creature on the water's edge. The image of the walrus is reflected in the rippling water beneath it, and I can't help but wonder, is this walrus attractive to other walruses? Like is it staring at itself in the water thinking, yeah, I am looking good today.
1: What do they come above water for? Like, why is this one just hanging out on the ice? Oh, they do that often. They just come up just to relax.
0: That's our guide for this trip, and she says she thinks this is the same walrus she saw here the day before.
1: And it was here with uh, a smaller one, one that didn't have the tusk. We are guessing maybe it's a husband and wife (laughs) relaxing. And when we saw them yesterday, they were just floating around on the ice flake out in the fjord. So now they have wandered in here and are just chilling on the ice.
0: Walruses need sea ice. It plays a role in almost every part of their life cycle, from mating to giving birth to the naps they need to take in between dives to the seafloor, which is where they find most of their food. We're going to learn more about sea ice in our next full episode, but this is a Threshold Extra, kind of a bonus mini-episode made just for you, podcast listeners. I spent a week reporting in Svalbard, and I have all kinds of great stories from there, but we just couldn't fit very many of them into the show itself. So we just wanted to bring you a little montage of a few scenes from Svalbard. Think of this kind of like an intermission here in the middle of our second season and we're releasing this extra today, November 1st, for a particular reason. We get to be part of something really exciting this fall. It's called NewsMatch, and it's basically a big old pot of money that's been collected to support nonprofit journalism organizations like ours. It's pretty fabulous actually. During NewsMatch, all donations up to $1,000 are doubled. So, if you give $50, we get 100. If you give 500, we get 1,000. If you choose to give monthly, they'll match that amount too, and we get some bonuses for new donors. Newsmatch starts today, and it runs through the end of December, so if you have ever thought about donating to Threshold, now is the best time ever to do it. You might have noticed that you pay nothing for Threshold, and we like it like that. It's the public radio model, where we work really hard to make quality content, and then we let you decide what the value is. So that's what I'm asking you to do right now. I want you to put a value on threshold. Like if you had to buy it, what would you pay for it? What do you think it's worth? And what do you feel like you can afford? Maybe for you, that's $15. Maybe it's $150. Whatever that number is, if you choose to give that amount right now, Newsmatch will double it. Just go to ThresholdPodcast.org and click Donate. And while you're doing that, meet Mary Grace Eula.
1: When you first arrived, what did you think of the place? What were your impressions? Um, actually, I'm a bit shocked because uh, I'm from Asia. It's a warm country, and I'm a bit shocked because, uh, oh, it's really, really cold. <laughs>
0: Mary Grace is 24 years old, she's from the Philippines, and she's come up here to Svalbard for four years in a row to cook, clean, and serve drinks on this tourist boat.
1: Yeah. And when you heard about it, like what made you interested in doing it? I really loved uh, working at sea. I really love exotic places. And uh, I really wanted to experience snow, cold places.
0: And, Mary Grace says, she wanted to make some money. Here in Svalbard she can earn twice as much as she does in the Philippines. The conditions can be tough. She's often cold, and she lives and works on this boat with a crew of six other people. That's a lot of time in close quarters with her colleagues. But, she says, it's worth it.
1: I came from a poor family, and because of that uh, poverty, I have this in my mind that uh, I want to be prosperous. I want to be get out from that poverty, yeah.
0: What percentage of your salary are you sending back home?
1: I, I send 90% actually. <laughs> 90%? Yes, yes. That's for my tuition fee of my younger siblings. There are two. They are still schooling in college. And uh, the rest is for our house. Mm. Yeah, because we don't have our own house in Philippines before. But now as I work here, I have enough money to buy house, yeah. For your whole family? Yes. Yeah. Are you proud? Yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's my way of uh, paying back uh, what they've uh, sacrificed for me before, yeah.
0: Working on this ship was Mary Grace's first job after college. In the off-season, she goes home and works in the Philippines. And she's got big plans for the future.
1: I wrote a business proposal to make... Uh, floating restaurant actually yeah oh in the philippines yes do you think that'll that might happen yes i i know (laughs) yeah i'm just uh saving money for it yeah i want to come eat in your floating restaurant (laughs) yeah yeah i really love it i made a long-term plan for the business so yeah Yeah, so it's really it's gonna happen yeah yeah i will make it (laughs)
0: Tourism is booming in Svalbard and many other Arctic communities, and that's driven in part by climate change. It's kind of an odd side effect of global warming. There's a growing awareness about the importance and beauty of the Arctic, and at the same time, the warming climate is making more parts of the North accessible, so a growing number of companies are offering trips to watch polar bears, go dog sledding, and view receding glaciers before they disappear. All of that means there's a rising demand for people who are willing to work low-wage seasonal jobs in hotels, and restaurants, and on cruises. And like Mary Grace, many of those workers are from the Philippines, Indonesia, and other South Asian countries. Ironically, countries where climate change is already having dramatic, and often deadly, effects.
2: We have a lot of tourists, and it's quite a big amount for them to come. We don't need more. They will pollute.
0: I'm on land now, talking with...
2: Ivan Velichenko. It's like I-V-A-N-V-E-L-I-C-H-E-N-K-O.
0: Ivan is 30 years old, and he lives in Barentsburg. It's a Russian settlement on Svalbard, centered around a coal mine that's been in operation here since the 1920s. About 500 people live in Berensburg now, but it used to have more than twice that many people. So it feels kind of like a Soviet ghost town, with lots of abandoned buildings and dramatic murals celebrating workers and industry.
2: Uh, originally I was born in Soviet Union. Uh, in the northernmost part of Ukraine I was born, nearby the border of Ukraine, Russia, and Belarus.
0: When he's not in Berensburg, Ivan now calls St. Petersburg home. He's employed by the State Tourism Company. And yes, he works in the tourism industry, and he thinks Svalbard doesn't need more tourists. He says his job is more about managing the tourists they already have. These islands are full of wildlife, with very few roads and gorgeous, pristine mountain ranges, and he wants to keep it that way.
2: And we are telling it to all of the tourists, to everybody, don't throw, like, you know, the cigarettes over here and so on and so on. Because if you, like, go through the... Tundra over here and you just made one step or just ride by the car over there, it will be, it takes 50 years uh, to become once. So that's why you need to take care of it, like of a small child or something like that.
0: Ivan says he didn't always have that sense of carefulness about nature. He says living here in the Arctic has really changed him. He's a big guy with a beard and some piercings and he says back home in Russia, he was a different kind of person, getting into fights a lot,
2: going into the bars, pubs, clubs, just hanging around, you know, just doing nothing and so on. But when I came over here, uh, I have much more free time to think over what I have done, what shall I do, uh, what I have made right or wrong. So this is a perfect place to find the mistakes, not only inside yourself, but uh, to think what you can do in the future. So I'm not like I was before for fighting with everybody if someone just touches me or something like that. <laughs>
0: Literally chilled you out.
2: Uh, yeah, yeah, I became more calm. I became a person that is much more interested in all the details in Arctic and so on like before I, I never get in touch more close to it.
0: Do you think very much about climate change?
2: Of course. From year to year, the snow is terrible, melting terribly over here, and as well as the glaciers. It's all about those people who are ruling the world and earning the money on the world. They can change it, but they don't hear us.
0: Later this season, we're gonna spend an entire episode in Russia. Stay tuned. Okay, so I've just got one more little bit of sound that I have to share with you from Svalbard. These are little auks black and white birds that breed on Arctic islands, and there were zillions of them on Svalbard when I was there, swirling around in the sky and making this noise pretty much 24-7. That is kooky, isn't it? It sounds like they're constantly angry, but they look like they were having a really good time. They were swooping around way up high on these cliff faces. I wanna send a shout out to permafrost scientist, Sarah Strand. She took me up to the top of a mountain where I was able to record this. Enough with the ox, let's switch to something a little calmer. We've left Svalbard now. This is Grimsey, the Icelandic island where that giant arctic circle sculpture lives. And before I say goodbye here, I just want to remind you that Newsmatch is on, and we really need you to vote with your dollars and say yes to more threshold in the future. Some of you are already threshold donors, and I'm so grateful for that. In fact, at the risk of sounding cheesy, I'm just gonna say I'm so grateful to all of you. And yes, I mean you, everyone who can hear my voice right now. I'm grateful to you because a few years ago, I didn't know if you existed. I started Threshold with nothing but my passion for telling stories about our human relationships with the natural world. These connections we have with animals and plants and places, they intrigue me and move me and teach me things. And I wanted to make a space where I could document those relationships and grapple with how they're changing and what that means. But I didn't know if this was going to work. I really didn't know if anyone was going to listen to this show. I just knew I needed to make it and surprise. People are listening. You're listening. We have listeners all over the country and around the world, and we don't really have a marketing budget that has happened because of you because you like this show and you are telling people about it. And that is so encouraging to me because it means that there are actually tons of us who want to get out into the world and think deeply about how we're connected to all of the life around us. We're not alone. We're in this together. So thank you for all you've done to get us this far. And everyone here at Threshold really wants to keep making this show. But the truth is, we can't do it without your support. That's not hyperbole, we need you. So here's the mission. We're trying to attract 100 new donors by the end of this year. And I'm asking you if you can become one of them. If you believe in what we're doing and you want us to continue, can you make the leap from being passive threshold listener to active threshold supporter? We are so grateful for all donations at every level And remember, from now until the end of the year, every contribution up to $1,000 will be doubled. And if we get enough new donors, we even get a bonus. So if you want us to keep bringing you thoughtful, nuanced, emotionally alive reporting about some of the most important issues of our time, please give today. It takes less than five minutes. In fact, I'm just going to let the sounds of Grimsey Island play out for a while so they can keep you company while you go to thresholdpodcast.org and click Donate. Thank you.